Hey everybody, this is The Board Retreat, episode 5. I'm James Mapes. I am Paul Susie, And we are designing a game, episode by episode, bit by bit, all of the work (laughs) happening (laughs) on the podcast (laughs) itself. Um... This is an exciting and strange episode, Paul Susie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> in the last couple episodes, what we've come around to is that our game has something to do with an orphanage right. uh, beset by a nightmare, Yeah. a group of children attempting huh. to fall asleep yeah. against the environmental circumstances. Um, and in this moment, my daughter is having trouble falling asleep upstairs. My partner, yeah. love of my life, is. Oh. I think. I think she's she's holding back the tide of darkness. But we haven't heard from her in a while. It's true. It's all a little. I uh, mean, I guess it. She's rigged for silent running. Yes. So <laughs> she's not going to signal that she needs One assistance. Ping, Bushley. <laughs> One shingle ping. Uh, oh boy. I always think that he says for me. But he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. That's not an actual quote. Uh, yeah. We are, of course, referencing Hunt for Red October. You will receive the order of Lenin for this. <laughs> it's Tim, Tim Curry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> off the rails. Already off the rails. Uh, so anyway, so we it's very appropriate. We're simultaneously trying to project into the microphones yeah. and trying not to be too loud, even though I think that my basement is far enough underground, buried against the inevitable... We don't, yeah, yeah. we don't know though. It's like we're a submarine under the surface and we don't know if they've launched depth charges or we not. Have to, we have to trust our allies. Oh God. Yeah. So anyway, with that, uh, we have a lot of very fun, I should not have hesitated there. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of very fun things coming down. Um, we have, I've decided to name this episode, The Specifics. Um, in keeping with the general way that I name these episodes. Uh, Wait, what have the previous episodes been named? Oh, so you don't listen to the, the podcast on iTunes then? I, I've been listening to the I've been listening to the galleys, as it were. I haven't heard the finished product. <laughs> I've been listening to the stuff in the Google in the Google Dropbox. Oh yeah, that's fair. Um, I think I've I should update those. Uh, the first episode was called the Veil. Oh right. The second episode was called The Cert. Because we oh, talked about right. The Writ of Certiori. Yeah, 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 thank yeah. you. The third episode was called The Commitment. And are you picking yes. up the theme of that it's like yes. a definite article? No, yeah. And then the fourth episode was called The Recommitment, which sure. I thought was appropriate. Sure. So this one's the specifics. And uh, nice. I think that um, what we've agreed to do with this episode in the scant minute we talked about it while we were getting drinks is that we are going to spend this episode making decisions because we just need to narrow the field and move ahead. Yeah. Um, and we're not making final decisions, but we're making decisions that sound good in the moment as part of the creative process. Right. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I think a good example for this is that early on we decided the number of players that we wanted to pitch our game towards. Um, and that was a decision that's kind of guided our thinking ever since. And it's not that that decision is set in stone, but it's that it sounds good and we're going to keep it until it sounds not good. Yeah, until we have reason to amend or tweak or yeah. change the thing. Yeah, totally. Um, and so we have a short list of things that we will be making decisions about after a small bit of discussion. Mm. Um can I interject? You can. I think one thing that feels unique and special about tonight's episode is that the intervening window of time 
Oh, yeah. Is much foreshortened. We're, uh, we're just trying to mix it up a little bit, really, is the answer. Which yeah. is great. And also, it's, it's helpful in maintaining the momentum. And it's a useful experiment because previous episodes have been recorded with at least two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? About yeah. two weeks between yeah. each episode and then m- many more than two weeks. Between. Yeah, I believe it went two weeks, two weeks, six months, one week. <laughs> yeah. We're on, there, there we're we on the one week this time around. Nice. And it is exciting. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, before we get into all that, though, it's not a word from our sponsors. I wanted to talk about my basement for a second. We've already <laughs> mentioned that we're in my basement. We've already mentioned that hopefully there's enough R-old distance between... Yeah. Us and a two and a half year old, uh, that terrible things aren't happening. Which is basically like a Russian submarine trying to hunt us. Yeah, I mean it's really, I mean it's yeah. apt. Yeah, it's an apt description. <laughs> um, so when we first started recording this podcast, we were sitting at a table in the middle of a strange room that was once mm. a secret marijuana grow before we moved into this house. Back um, when marijuana grows were illegal. Yeah, yeah. It has outlets on the ceiling. Just FYI, if anyone ever needs to identify an illegal <laughs> marijuana grow basement, if there are outlets <laughs> spaced every four feet on the ceiling, mm-hmm. it's marijuana grow. Yeah. Um, and also like reinforced pipes and things that feel like either a submarine or a marijuana grow. That's a, yeah, that's a whole other thing. It also has a, um, a, a pipe that taps into the hose outside. Right, yeah. Um, just kind of sticking up, sticking down from the ceiling. Anyway. Weird valves everywhere. So this room is naturally, as basements are, kind of the dumping ground for uh, a whole lot of stuff. So like over to one side of me, we have all the extra stuff from the board game that I kickstarted and made that kind of started my board gaming journey. Yes. On the other side of me, we have books that we are meaning to sell to pals, which is great. Check nice. it out. Pal City of Books. Um, but then, so that's been kind of a constant. But then in the in the time since we've started recording this podcast, A, our equipment has become just the tiniest bit more uh, good. Um, the mic stands, you know, they've become a little more decorated with things like pop filters. <laughs> After uh, last week's <laughs> horrendous time that we spoke of briefly, we are now running a second computer in parallel uh, that is recording all of this. So hopefully we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I think it's good for a podcast like this. Yeah. Like we can't re-record episodes, you know, we already right. know the stuff we talked about. So right. it's, we're, it's probably just good practice. We're flying best, by the seat of our pants. Best practices. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the seat of our pants, Paul's seat of his pants is once again parked in the rocking ottoman, rocking armchair <laughs> combo that he discovered on the first episode. It's pretty amazing. And then the other thing that's occurred as this thing has gone on is that I've like just started hanging up blankets around yeah. the room to cover the concrete walls because yeah. I have this pretend idea that I can... I'm a sound person. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, that thing that I'm hearing on the recording must be, must be slapback. People talk about slapback. What? Which is like my voice bouncing off the concrete wall into your oh. microphone. So like, you know, I'm trying to minimize that. But it causes a very strange, like, it's just, it looks weird. Well, it feels a little bit like it has a little bit of the survivalist vibe. Yeah. The conspiracy theory vibe. It really does. Yeah. It's like we need to insulate this room more. It's a concrete wall. We no, should, we need to insulate it. Like, we, we need, yeah. And we should be wearing tin hats and... Yeah. Um, but it also feels cozy. I mean, it feels a little cozy. And and cold it, and cozy, yeah. And and there's a there's a natural compliment to like you you hung a sheet on a wall uh as a, you know, uh a, a do it yourself projection screen for your projector and it it it's all of a piece. It's like yeah, the same it's true. It's the same 
ethic. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's become the repository for uh, the board games that I own, that me and my partner own. Um, so that's cool. So Paul gets to stare at those all night. It's so if you, actually really inspiring. Yeah, this is good. I, we should switch seats every once in a while. I want this. <laughs> I, need, I want to know what that feels like. I don't know that I could give up the rocking ottoman. <sighs> that's fair. I'll just move it around. Okay. Um, cool. So uh, now that we have that all the way, do you have any special announcements, Mr. Paul Susie? Um, I, um, no, I, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling sleep deprived as well, but for not reasons related to small children. Um, but I'm, I'm in that headspace of like thinking about what that world is like. So this feels great. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I wanted to jump in with, I, I mentioned it before, but, um, the first thing that we decided and that we are redeciding in this moment, yeah. which is number of players. Uh, and in, in some senses, actually, I feel like this is kind of an organic thing. That's like, yep. I mean, at a certain point you, we get a prototype and then we're like, oh, actually three people is great. Right. Oh, we could push this to six, you know, I right. mean, so five that. is terrible. Five is, why would anyone play with five people? <laughs> Rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's another quote from Hunt for Red October. Just waiting to happen. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see if more of these come up. <laughs> Uh, Paul Susie and I have a shared love of this movie. This is oh one of the reasons my God. we're friends. Oh, it's so seminal. Yeah, not the only reason, but <laughs> one of the main reason. Uh, so, I mean, I wanted to revisit this because we've said five before with a like three to seven average five right. sort of a thing. Um, and that's that fits in pretty well with Orphan Game yep. in the to the extent that we know anything about Orphan Game. Yep, yep. Um, I also think that from a practical point of view, extra to the game yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, or outside of the, the world of the game, getting five people together uh, is just enough of a push to make it feel momentous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whereas getting seven or nine or and more than five people together feels like, oh, God, you have to send invitations and RSVP. Yeah, who wants to play a game with nine people in it? The email strings. Yeah. The email strings. I, I can't, I, I don't want to deal with that. So... Five feels feels specific, and feels like just enough of a thing to 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 merit effort. Totally. And without... what kind of game like requires nine people? Like, yeah. what role would you possibly play? Like, there's no body of yeah. people that is only nine people, well, right? I mean, except for, <laughs> except for callback to episode yeah, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cert <laughs> available on iTunes now. <laughs> And yeah. also the website. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's all true. Um, so, yeah. Like, five. Yeah, five. Um, but like three, four, five. Five. Six, seven, six. Five. five? Oh, okay, five. I'm pretty certain about five. Like only five. I'm. Pretty certain about five. I mean, only five. I'm okay. I'm open to less than five. Okay. Uh, but I don't think that that's ideal. Yeah. I yeah. think that we that starts that that starts that process of little compromises and and little concessions that could water things down. Um. So you know, I'm not taking that off the table completely. Sure. But more than five feels unwieldy because I think something crazy starts happening with mm, like mm. when you're waiting for the dude to count out the money in the turn in the monopoly yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I agree with you. I agree with you. You 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 just disengage from the game. 
Yeah. I'm also trying to think of games that I've played recently with more than five people. And they've definitely been like specifically for large numbers of people, sorts of games. Um, And so I think you're right that like five is a sweet maximum. Right. And this is kind of a discovery for me. I mean, it's true that I've been thinking differently. So have you, have we talked about, have we talked about the latest innovations in, in the game of tag, the field game of tag? No. So, so, but for, I was, I'm, I desperately want to hear about that. Yeah. So, in one of my many other lives, um, many other jobs, I was briefly an assistant site supervisor for outdoor school, uh, oh. which is an Oregon thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And outdoor school is great. It's like camp, but it's like summer camp, but it's specifically during the school year. And it's well, the, and, and one of the keys is that it's kind of it's mandatory. Yeah. Like all, all children of grade six, right? At least when I did it. Yes. Like, go yes they just have to go Fifth like your entire grade. school yeah. goes yeah at once, i mean your maybe? class your class will your classroom goes as a unit right. and then they are you you're broken up into cabins with other schools and you're mixed up and so you have people in the cabin that are in your class and people in the cabin that are from other schools it's a great way to to like integrate anyway i can't say enough good things about outdoor school yeah. but anyway the 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 field games was a thing that as assistant site supervisor and program leader of camp howard uh where my camp name was badger yeah which good. was pretty great yep um one of the games that i discovered is an innovation on tag called everybody's it uh because <laughs> because tag in and of itself um, when it, it's, it's, I remember tag being, I don't know about you, dear listener, but I remember tag being stressful and hard to, to get out of being it because I wasn't particularly athletic. Right. Um, and people would, you know, make fun of you and then there's no boundaries. So like the people could always outrun you. It's terrible. Everybody's it is a wonderful innovation. The, 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 the context is simple. Everybody is it. I yeah, and then I, I did pick that part up. And when you are tagged by someone, you are frozen until someone tags the person that tags tagged you, and then you are freed up. And by the way, you're able to tag other people. So you're frozen, and you're just watching the person who tagged you, like correct, pray, praying for revenge, like a hawk, vicarious revenge. Exactly. So what if you high five? Yeah, yeah. Are you so? So those technicalities, those <laughs> levels of technicalities do have to be solved on the field. And oftentimes as the staff person in charge of yeah, field yeah. games, I had to deliver a ruling like the beleaguered referee in a <laughs> European soccer game where the entire stadium is actually playing and going crazy yeah, you yeah. Know, and has no respect for you because they're chasing me down too. Um, and what we would do, what we would say is you got to rock it out. You just have to, any, any disputes about who tagged who you got a Rochambeau one, two, three throw. And then that determined the outcome of that particular dispute. Can I tangent this tangent? Yes. Which is that I'm so thankful that you rock, paper, scissors, shoot, go throw, whatever. Yeah. Because that last note is just so crucial yeah like i do not i literally don't understand the form of the game in which one of the three forms yeah rock paper scissors and the way that i do it most of the time gets like this elevated oh that's the one that we go on like it doesn't make sense you have to give them all equal standing yeah rock paper scissors shoot yeah or go yeah what do i say i say go yeah 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 it's one two three go yeah absolutely 
I'm glad that we've established that. <laughs> Ruling well, we, on the field. Okay, outdoor school. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's it. And 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 I brought that up because um that is an example of a game that is severely limited by how how uh how many people when it was just ordinary version 1.0 tag right uh it's overloaded by too many people in the game no boundaries to the playing field you know it right becomes... and only only a small number of people are under threat of being tagged at exactly any one time. exactly yeah. so this evolution happened in reaction to how the game mechanic breaks down because there aren't enough boundaries containing the game to keep it for to keep it interesting and moving forward right yeah i think it's a salient point to remember yeah i have to admit i was a little distracted by the water running through the pipes because that's the other funny thing about my basement is that <laughs> you can hear all the water running through the pipes like the pipe is right there uh yeah, it it but, sounds yeah it sounds like someone's sonar has has locked on to us. Well, actually, and and bringing up the game of tag and these two versions of it, you know, these yeah. this variant, um, which is is very millennial in an excellent sort of way. Yeah. I actually say that in a good way because tag sucks and yeah. making tag better is a good thing. Yeah, um, is the I think the uh, the next question that we need to decide on after number of players, which is five, maybe three, four. Um, that decision is made is what do the players do right and this is something that we circled around a lot the right. last episode which is specifically this question of uh is one player different than the others is one player right. taking on a different role than the others right um and the two options it would seem because we want to have this like nightmare character involved right. like i think we're both a fan of this yep of that you know, whatever. I just shivered a little bit. It's cold down here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> basements. Um, and I think the two options are, is the Nightmare a single dedicated player? Yeah. Or does this man... Well, I guess there are three options. Is the Nightmare just the game? And is it just another environmental thing that you're up against? Or is the Nightmare this mantle that's passed around from player to player? Perhaps based on how much sleep they've had. Perhaps based on some other metric, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So there are those three options. Um, I want to put a word in yep. for a single player being the nightmare. And I've brought this up before, but it's mm -hmm. because I've had a lot of fun over the last few years playing games where at the outset one person is just is just different. They're just mm -hmm. playing a different role. Mm -hmm. And like the antagonistic role, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of in direct... Uh, well, and, and briefly, the games that I'm thinking of are, are uh, Scotland Yard, a favorite that I've brought up before, yeah. and then also Mysterium, which right. is great, and that I've also brought up before, so right. clearly I need to get more games. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of in contrast to games that attempt this sort of like artificial intelligence on the, on the role of the game, thinking about like Pandemic and Battlestar Galactica, and although that's a funny example because it's a trader game. Um, Mm. And, and, uh, you know, I said last episode one week ago that I played space alert and that, uh, uses a soundtrack and cards and stuff to introduce threats, but everyone's working together. No one's playing like the evil aliens or anything. Right. Um, and I mean, it's, there's just some artifice there, you know what I mean? When it comes to the game kind of controlling it. Uh, and maybe this is because video games are so powerful and it's like, we know what a computer controlled thing feels like or maybe it's 
I don't know. I don't know. It, yeah. You know, you can you can see the seams in the like cardboard AI. Right. I guess. Right. I feel this is a good debate to have. I feel that the um there's there's a sweet spot that maybe hasn't been discovered yet between uh, a role that a player, one of the five players is playing is the antagonist, as you say. Mm-hmm. That's one, that is the, that's one uh, path. And then the other path is the collaborative, everybody is trying to problem solve together path that where the seams show because, you know, we're all sort of actively commenting on the game that we're supposed we're theoretically competing against each other in. Right. Um, I think that there must be some some middle path. I would like to see some way for the antagonized the antagonist role mm-hmm. to evolve in the course of the game. Yeah. 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 Where um, the goals or the parameters of being under the um, under the influence of a nightmare um maybe maybe it doesn't maybe you don't have full awareness of of what the where the nightmare is going to take you mm-hmm. and what the nightmare wants might be independent of what you want even if you are under the nightmare yeah um so i mean more of like the mantle being passed around yes um it is interesting to think about like how that affects agency though which is i think is what you're talking about yeah yeah. Like, like yeah. M- maybe it's not that you're like evil this turn, which right. is kind of where I've been thinking of it, of that option as being, but maybe it's like, it's, it's hitching a ride and doing something like maybe you go to a place or go to a room to do something beneficial. And then the, the nightmare is also doing something dastardly right. there. Right. So you as the player in the time that you are bearing right. this thing are right. like, right. How do I balance this right. in a unique kind of moment? That's Cause, interesting. Because maybe the maybe the nightmare condition, the goal of the nightmare is to impact all of the players for a number of turns or something. Mm-hmm. And then that determines one outcome of the game. Well, that's interesting because it's it's you know, it kind of brings up this idea of goals, which is something yeah. we haven't talked about, like yeah. what ends the game, right? And if one player is playing as only the, the nightmare, yeah. if they're the antagonist, then they have their own goal to right. end the game, right? Like it's right. not enough to just have them, like, right. you know, draw the game or or be the enemy, but you can't ever win. Like the, the antagonist needs to be able to win the game yes. too. Yes, yes. For it to be collaborative, I think. Yes. Not collaborative, competitive, opposite, wrong word. Um, we really but, haven't had that much to drink yet. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, when you start, when I think about the the thing that you're talking about, which is this mantle that is kind of passed around and this, uh, this independent agent, and like that's a fun role playing, slight role playing element too. But it also means that uh, they don't need their own goal. You know, yeah. it can just be about preventing victory and holding that back i see does that make sense maybe it, does. it doesn't make it, sense maybe it totally there's still does. a fail case and that's the same as a goal for the antagonist but I, I i do see where you're going with that and i think that i think that the solution there is that the mantle itself has a has an an evolutionary dynamic built into it too yeah where that's true. 
where like stage one, for example, and I'm totally making this up, but yeah, stage yeah. one of the game is one person has the nightmare. Of the five players, one person is under a nightmare condition. Stage two is the nightmare successfully grows to oh, more than one interesting. player. That's cool. And then other things can happen to counteract the nightmare or to get rid of the nightmare entirely. Maybe there's a stage where there's no nightmare. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you sold me. Mm. Sweet. So, so I think the right decision for this episode is to say, let's move forward with all players on a collaborative basis mm -hmm. and that we're pursuing this idea of like a nightmare infection that is past and affects moods and stuff like that. But it's not like you're secretly a Cylon. Correct. It's known and it's a part of the game and it can happen and it, it's a switch that can be turned off and on. Right. Right. And, and doesn't only have to be one. I think that that's an interesting place to go. Right. And I think it's kind of unique too. Right. You right. know, right. I think that there are a lot of games and I can go into more detail about like how, whether it's valuable to be pursuing uniqueness, but I think it's something that we both kind of look for. Totally. No, I think that the nightmare needs to have, for lack of a better term, it needs to have a magic eight ball component to it mm. where there's a level of unpredictability uh, and, a, see, yeah, and, yeah. and a level of like, we don't know, like it could be just a really simple nightmare that is not particularly terrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for a turn or something, but like every turn or every stage that the, the game progresses through, um, the, there's a, there's an X factor to the nightmare that gets revealed. Yeah. Well, and I also like this idea that I had, I'm a shocker. I like that idea. Um, which is. Uh, that it perverts actions, right? Yes, like, yes, yes. And so you're left with this. Yes. Hopefully not for the whole game. You know, hopefully you have to just weigh this a little bit, but like, okay, I can do a good thing, but that'll spawn a bad thing. Totally, yeah. Somewhere else. And other people are like, oh God, we don't know what you do. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a cool complication. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. So uh, five players, they're all on a team. Some of them might have some issues. Right. Great. Anything more to say about that role, those roles? Um, I mean, we're, 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 to examine the other assumption, we're clear on the like collaborative nature of the orphans, right? Yeah. Like you're playing an orphan, they're in it together. Yeah. Well, let's look at that for a second. Like it feels good from a, from like a friend level to be like, we don't need to keep secrets or like have, you know, hide my clues from you you know, my hand, hide my hand from you. Mm. Um, that feels nice, but is it more fun? I mean, I, I think, I think that that's a, it's a valid question to well, say, is it more fun to keep secrets from one another in a game? Wow. Just, this just leaped into my head of like, what if you have a secrets deck, right? Like yes. what if you have cards? Yes. Yes. And what if, uh, yeah. what if, yeah, you see where I'm going with this. Love it. What if little Tabitha? Yep. Uh, oh. She starts with only one secret, right? Yeah. But yeah. Eugene, he starts with three. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but you know, uh, nightmares create secret. You know, there's this yes. very resonant territory yes. with that. So yes, and the more that you share your secrets, the more prey you are to being exposed to a nightmare. Well, the other thing that I love about uh, uh, 
adding like trickling this element into a collaborative game not that we've done that a whole lot yet i mean we thought of this idea 30 seconds ago but um, in real time in real time uh <laughs> it's working <laughs> It is, writes itself. Is I mean, we you know, I feel like I've had a lot of issues yeah. uh, that I've publicly expressed about this, like the one dude at the table. Why did I say dude? The one person at the table who's like, oh, you need to make this move on your turn. And you're like, I guess that's true. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Um, and the secrets change that. Like just yeah. even a minor thing changes that because if oh. there's a rule that you can't tell people your secrets unless yeah. there's like a game state that allows it like you can reveal a secret or something yeah you can say hey look i need to make this move yeah and like that it just changes the game even if it's totally. like minor yeah it yeah, changes yeah. it and yeah. and it's great with kids you know yeah you know what i mean like it just makes a lot of sense oh my gosh yes 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 because you're right that that the the pretense of it being possible to have an omniscient player at the table uh, does take take the air out of a game a little bit. It makes it harder to to take the the stakes seriously. But if everybody is in the game together and having to be responsible for a little piece of territory that they are compelled not to not to make completely transparent, uh, that makes it nice and spicy. Yeah. 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 Agreed. I'm glad we revisited that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to palate cleanse a little bit by talking about the last board game that I played yeah. in a, uh, you know, in this recurring segment uh -huh. that should really have its own theme music. Gary, don't write that. <laughs> it's fine. It was a joke. Um, <laughs> sushi Go is a game. Have you played this game? Uh, it's small. It comes in a tin. It's about sushi. No, I have not. <laughs> How's that for a hook? <laughs> you want to go ahead and buy that game immediately. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a like kind of prototypical drafting game. It's a drafting game that's been like kind of stripped of all as many elements as possible. And what that means is you start with a hand of cards, you take one, and then you pass your hand onwards, and then you receive a new hand, and you pick one, and you pass it all around. And so, you know, it's 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 a mechanic that shows up in a lot of games. Some right. games are only drafting, and then you like compare your scores. Is Go Fish a drafting game? I'm thinking about that out loud right, right now. Right, right, right. It's kind of not, but it kind yeah. of is. Or, or is I mean that that sounds like the dynamics of like I think that's gin, gin rummy. Oh, like one of those card games well, where you like you, you're looking for a run and you pick it yeah, up. Yeah, but that's like taking it from the deck. It's sure, not sure. like okay because when in a in a proper drafting game you're like I'm gonna receive this hand back in three moves gotcha three cards less like can i afford to not take this card that i want because i don't think other people will take it right so it's like that kind of strategy that's very particular to drafting games right right. and right. like drafting is a big part of magic the gathering one format that does it um a lot of games have card drafting elements and then you go you like auction things off and then you build things so it's it's like a it's a major mechanic um but the thing that i wanted to note about sushi go and specifically sushi go is very simple like you're just drafting a make sets basically of various kinds and they're very cute and it's like i'm making the sashimi set and it gives me 10 points Aww. if i get three you know it's it's cute and That's all the sushi delicious. have little like googly eyes and stuff it's great oh great um that's yeah. how i prefer my sushi yeah. i know there's that funny you're like i don't want to see that on a plate <laughs> in front of me that's terrible yeah um but the <laughs> interesting thing about sushi go is uh i've mostly played it just with two people mm. like me and another person where we're like 
passing a hand of starting with 10 cards across the table from to one another. Um, but it changes very drastically as you ramp up to five players. It is a two to five player game. Mm. Um, and even just three players changes it a lot because you go from having, uh, basically perfect information like you're only ever one card behind in the two-player version Mm -hmm. where you see 10 cards and then you see nine cards plus the card that your opponent just picked so you basically know everything immediately like after the first trade right after the first card that you pick when you go to five players there are so many unknowns yeah because you pick your first card and then you don't see the next three hands you know it just it it has to come around to you right and so when you're trying to make these choices to make sets of like two or three or four or five specific types of cards you're like well i could pick the dumpling right, right. i don't know if there are more dumplings coming to me you know right. there's that kind of thing so right, right. and and right. it's a it's it's fascinating specifically how the same rules literally the same rules like the only thing that changes there are a couple minor things that change with two players and then the size of the starting hand is different for the number of players that you're playing with but it it's really a different experience with yeah. each number of players yeah and i think that's notable because i can't say for certain that any particular number is best Right. You know, it's just a different game. Yeah. Do you think that this game was designed for a specific number? That's a really good question, actually. Uh, I suspect that it was targeted for three or four. Interesting. Because uh, with three or four, there was kind of a good balance of information known and then unknown possibilities. Right. And with two, there's like not very many possibilities. You you know whether you can make certain sets after the first choice basically yeah with five you're like i mean you have a you start with a hand of like seven cards or something right you don't see that hand again until there's only two or three cards left in it after it's rotated around the table so it's very hard to like actually strategize yeah and like the scores are much lower so five is kind of pushing it yeah when i've done it but i think there's nothing broken about doing it with five either it's just a little bit different and you could probably do it with six too. I mean, maybe you'd want to like look at some of the rules and points and stuff because it might just be too chaotic. But, uh, you know, I think that they just tested it out and they were like, yeah, five's good. Five's great. Interesting. But yeah, I think probably three or four. Interesting. Probably four. I mean, let's be honest. Four. Yeah. I'm saying four. I, I wonder, you know, this is, this is one of the reasons why I don't play poker. Um, mm. uh, I mean, also, I don't have that kind of money, uh, or that, or that kind of, I guess, that kind of cultural aptitude. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's a little romantic. I'm talking myself into it. Okay, maybe I should try. I poker. think you'd be great at poker. But one of the one of the things that stops me from poker is this level of gamesmanship, for lack of a better word, hmm. where um, it's clear to me that the proficiency of the game proficiency at the game is based on like how good you are at tracking various right. various variables uh from the first from the first go from the first turn totally the first sushi go yeah, right yeah yeah uh or from the first uh the first deal the first flop my the friend f- thank you that's flop. probably not actually the right term sure. no is it i have no idea i mean i think it depends players. on the variation anyway yeah yeah um, and, and that feels less fun to me. 
If yeah. I, as a player, need to be tracking uh, these moving pieces in a very specific way and accounting for their dynamics uh, based on various, you know, variables that can be... Basically, if, if, if anything is, can be reduced to a mathematical formula that I need a whiteboard and a Texas <laughs> Instrument calculator to figure out, then, uh, then that doesn't feel as fun to me. Uh, although I could totally see how this would be super fun for lots of people. And indeed is. And yeah. indeed is, right. Yeah, yeah. And profitable. No, I, I agree. I mean, poker has very little appeal to me, too. And I'm not sure if that's mm. a cultural thing or if it's or if it's more about the game. I mean, I played the game before, right? But mm. uh, Although we should also note, and it's come up before perhaps, that uh, I also know about myself that I should not start gambling. Ah. So ah. there's that, too. Yeah. It's ruined a lot of lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is an interesting, I mean, I think that that's an interesting dimension in this entire discussion totally. and enterprise. Totally. That the things that make it fun, are they the things right. that are those serotonin reuptake inhibitor things that I'm totally mangling all of that? The Are they, are, is that part <laughs> of the, is it not part of that? I am not, I am not <laughs> board certified in any way, shape or form. But the are we consciously sculpting a thing to be fun and unintentionally creating some kind of addiction pathway. Right. Yeah, no, it's a very good question. And I think, uh, yeah, would people play poker if it wasn't for cash? Like, right. I mean, people pay, play for chips, I guess, but is it, are they tapping into like the gestalt of the Las Vegas casinos, you know, a little bit as they get those chips or are the chips enough? Like, I don't have the answer. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Games with with almost perfect information you don't like. That's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm gathering. It's true. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about a game with almost perfect information. We're talking about making that game. Yeah, it's just the secrets. Is that enough? I think so. I think so because let me let me let me take a look at that. Because by that logic, something like craps should be more appealing to me than poker. Well, craps. Well, chess has perfect information, right? Does it though? Ooh. Does it though? I think it doesn't. I think the reason why I like chess. Okay, look up perfect information games on Wikipedia. Oh, chess shit. is the... No, I mean there is always the shit. mental there's the mental side of things. That's true. That's I shouldn't make light of that. That's true. Yeah. I'm making light of it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that if if I'm okay with there being a finite number of variations as long as that boundary is feels beyond my grasp. Okay. Well, that's pretty easy to make then. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. It, yeah, no, yeah. Chief shots. Chief shots. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I wanted to I wanted to hit another like. Let's just pick a direction. I think this has been good. This has been valuable. I think secrets are great. Um, so let's just take a stab at plot. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I feel like we already have a good head start on this because we have kind of the setting and the characters. Yeah. And we have the nightmare as a as a came to a strange village thing. Should right. I explain that what I'm talking about there? I should explain that. So the basic <laughs> crux of this is that there are only ever two stories. And as one friend of mine would have it, they are Moby Dick and Don Quixote, but we don't listen to him. Whoa. Sorry, that is such a tangent. I've had too much Whoa. I'm literally mixing. No, not mixing. I have two separate glasses. Gin and Sochu, um, 
which is just, you know, what we have around. Whoa. <laughs> Dude. Anyway, so there are only two kinds of stories. And um, the first is mm. I came to a strange town. And the second is a stranger came to my town. Right? I see. Right? I see. So in this case, we're talking about we have kind of a, a stable environment. Are you questioning that? I see your face. I'm, I'm questioning it a little bit. I mean, it's metaphorical. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is that this is the way to I'm solve? I'm just not all sure which is which. I'm not sure which is. Well, the either you I go, go you go someplace and and infringe upon the status quo that you find there, or something comes to your status quo and changes it. So, right. so is Don Quixote you going to? Okay, so now we're going into the tangent okay. of my friend. Thank you. I just yeah. Okay, it's true. Uh, Carry on. You yeah. know, I've never read Don Quixote. Oh God. Do you need to like? Should we have talked about this before no, we started it's fine. the podcast? It's okay, okay I'm, I'm good. We're good. Okay. Moby Dick is going to a strange place, by the way. That's that's how you know. Right. So it's a different thing. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, so in this case, there is something coming to. There is a stranger coming to our town, right? Sure. Because we have the status quo of the orphans. We have the characters. Presumably, they know each other in some way or another. They have some minor secrets from each other. We've kind of established this. Yeah. And then we're we're putting a force into play that is changing things and making there be tension and sure. hero journey story yep. related sorts of things. Probably not hero's journey. I just kind of bring that up as an aside, hyperactive aside. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So I guess just planting the seed of like, what is the driver? Like, is it just the nightmare arriving? Is it one kid in particular having yeah. the nightmare arrive? Yeah. I have instant reactions. To this yeah. Yeah. This Lame is a, this Lame is a lovely, it's a lovely, uh, catalyst. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that I fully agree with this thesis, but I think it's really rich. Um, I would love it if, uh, this is me being, me being, uh, um, uh, and an an antagonist, I guess, me being an inciter, um, a fire eater. I don't know. Um, the the it's Maker's Mark. I've been drinking <laughs> Maker's Mark. It's a little, <laughs> relatively empty stomach. So it's it's. A you little, should you should come over to the side cool. of Whitney O'Neill, <laughs> gin brewed with nine botanicals. O'Neill Whitney. What I'm know. what I'm trying to say is, I would love it if the nightmare gets to like one of the things in its magic eight ball dynamic mm-hmm. is that it gets to magically flip whether the strange thing is coming to the town or the town or the person you the you the singular person are going into a strange thing like it 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 changes the the kid yeah into something other yeah right yeah yeah. That's interesting. It has the potential to do that. Well, that's kind of the story version of what I was talking about, where like you try to take an action and then it turns out bad. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah that yeah. works well. Yeah. But I mean, where does the nightmare come from? I think is the question that I want to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because I, I think, think that's the right. I think comes that the thing from... that you said is right. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. But in terms of exploring the plot, I mean, I think we have to know, sure. you know, the beginning of where the nightmare comes from and sure. how it's affecting this community sure. tells us the end. Well, I think it comes from the fact that these are orphans in an orphanage. Mm. Okay. I think the nightmare is a manifestation to get really deep into this. It's an, it's a manifestation of feelings of abandonment and not being good enough. You know, those things that are universal human things, but are, but that are more pointed and heightened by the circumstance of being, an orphan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so a person experiencing a nightmare in an orphanage 
is someone who already has two strikes against them, right? And uh, they're 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 being pushed even f closer to that edge uh, by experiencing this heightened thing. Sure. I mean, I think that's right, but I, but we're still describing the status quo of like sure. something that exists with these kids. So to push a little bit further, yep, yep. like what changes at the start of the game, right? Yeah. yeah. And I just want to be totally honest. I mean, I feel yeah. like a lot of games I play do not have a, a tight narrative structure. Yeah. Um, and I want, want to have one. I think sure. that we are, I think we can, you know? Yeah. So is it the new kid that arrived? Is it... Mm. Is it just the night? Is it Halloween? Mm. And like, you know, that thing where like the, the, the other world is closer on all Hallows Eve, you know, that mm. thing that I can't even like dignify with a well, <laughs> actual explanation. Let me pull in, let me pull is in Mercury some... in retrograde. Oh, fuck Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> I'm particularly salty with Maker's Mark. I apologize. Um, I want to pull in uh, a real-world circumstance with your permission, James. Absolutely. Um, I think that this is But a, did you fill out the forms in triplicate? Uh, I, I, I filled it in duplicate, and I, didn't, I couldn't get the pen that, that could bleed through on the third carbon layer. Okay. That third onion sheet is really hard to... That's true. That's true. You're forgiven. Thank you. Continue. Um, it's the... <laughs> it's, it's the... You, you were mentioning earlier how your child... Um, seems to function, seems to adapt to change in three night increments. Right. Where um, night zero is when you first introduce a new circumstance, like now we're going to, you know, walk away from the room after right. we turn off the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then by night three, they have more or less adapted. Theoretically, right? And there are variations. I think that the, the, the orphanage is experiencing a recent change in circumstance. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it is someone just came into the orphanage. And this is, I mean, I think that this is part of the secrets deck slash mm. magic eight ball, where you, at the beginning of the setup of the game, uh, you roll a dice or you pull a card from a deck and it, determines several of these X factors. Mm -hmm. um, number one, it determines how long each orphan has been in the orphanage. Oh, interesting. Uh, number two, it determines how long a nightmare can be influential. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of making all of this up. And number three, it determines uh, whether or not this is your, um, whether or not there's like uh, a storm or whether or not there's, um, some kind of special tweak to this night mm -hmm. th that is your first turn. A storm or the power's out or um, it's Just really the, cold. That's or... interesting. That there's like a, a variety of inciting. Yeah. Like the thing is always there, yep. but it gets pushed over the top at the start of the game. Yep. And that that creates... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And I think that by having... Actually, it's very interesting to build the inciting incident to use kind of hero's journey journey yep. parlance um, into the game because I feel like the natural tendency is to bury that like yeah. in the manual. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's interesting. Yep. I hate that. I hate how like, you know, we take it as read, like 
you have to work together like a space team, and then you're in the first round already. Oh, but space team is great. Space team's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But like, <laughs> it's so easy to not pay attention to that first circumstance or to yeah, take but, it for granted, especially after but, you've played the game like five times. But Paul, space team. <laughs> you, are, you are a space team. Yeah. What do you? The ship you, flies itself, and it's true. It does. Yeah, you you just have to be a space team. I, <laughs> if you haven't played space team, oh my god, oh my god, it stresses out me and my girlfriend quite a bit, and yeah. it's super fun. It, all of those things are true. <laughs> um, okay, there's, no, but I think. Uh, as wary as I am of being like, oh, we'll just make another deck of cards. It'll be, there'll be secrets, there'll be nightmares, there'll be inciting incidents. You know, I mean, I do think that it yeah. is cool to build as much as we can, just as a general principle, building yeah. the story into the game, Yeah, I think is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit inspired by Arabian Nights. Which also has a deck of cards for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And a manual for everything. And like... Are you looking at the... I'm Arabian looking Nights at the part? game right okay. now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm, I had to look for it. Okay. 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 That's, that's fair. I had these insights before I saw it on your, your shelf, but, but, uh, I, I, I did, I do love the, the like roll. I think it's a dice roll. Yeah. And then you, and then you find the page number. Yes. It's something well, like that. A lot of things happen. Right. So you roll. You draw a card to discover what you've encountered, and then you roll a yes. die to discover like the aspect of that right. that you've encountered. Right. Yes. Plus or minus. Yeah. And then you get Look you choose your thing. action. You get your page number. You roll a die to plus or minus yeah. it. It's called the destiny die, and then you get your paragraph number. <laughs> Clearly, we need so, to play this again and review a little bit. So that kind of like Talmudic. <laughs> detail is really i mean that's fun maybe a little bit excessive to me can i just say that i've like sometimes <laughs> it happens a little too regularly that as i'm like thinking of games that i want to design my yeah. own self separate from this podcast yeah like i'll just go down this road and i'll be like oh that's arabian nights in space <laughs> and that's like that means that that's literally like i calculated it yeah, out yeah, it's yeah. like five hundred thousand words of writing and i'm like I have that in me somewhere, but oh only if someone's paying me for it. Like at a certain point, like it's very hard to justify sure. writing a book that thick. It's yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I sound very mercenary when I talk about money. I realize that, but That's it's a reality. not mercenary at all. No. It's, re it's a reality of a creative professional. Yeah. Oh God. Boy, my voice went high. Talk about that. <laughs> I have to EQ this. <laughs> okay. Well, clearly we got to wrap it up. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> They're <laughs> a good place. So I think that uh, all of this is good. I think the the place that I want to start next time around, mm. now that we have this uh, a, a basis, is I want to start to delve into the particular circumstances of like what it is to play the game, like the turn structure of the game, um, the mechanics of the game, like yeah. what it feels like to play the game in each of its particular moments. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about them already. We've talked about like this day and night cycle. Yeah. Um, the nightmare, knowing what the nightmare is, is key to this. Um, thinking about like sleep and other, some other like emotions and stuff as being kind of the currency that is in use. Um, so I think that those are all things that we will, we will nail down and continue Great. this process of like, let's just decide and let's yeah. go yeah. and make let's choices like steamroll towards something we can get a handle on. Love it. Yeah. Get hands on. Love it. Uh, and soon enough, dear listener, you too may be playing this 
nightmare in an orphanage. And we got to talk about how that works. Yeah. I just don't even know, but yeah. we'll figure it out together. And that is a promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a couple things to touch on at the very end of this episode. Is that okay? Do it. Uh, last episode, I brought up this, uh, what I said is an Egyptian um, set of games that this guy had spent a long time uh, determining. When I went to look it up for the show notes, they're actually Mesopotamian games. Wow, James. Mix those up. Oh, James. Ancient cultures. They're not my strong suit. Basically, everything I know about like oh, ancient boy. cultures I learned from Snow Crash. Oh, God. By Neil Stevenson. Great book. <laughs> so good. Um, so, you know, that's an easy mistake to make when you don't have the like fundamentals. Uh, anyway, it's super cool. I'll put another link in the show notes. That's cool. Dude is doing yeah. good work. Yeah. Um, also, I brought up the book Madeline. We had a nice little chat about it. I assumed that the author was French. Because I assume they were written in French oh. because the rhymes are so bad. He was Austrian American. Yeah. And I believe he wrote in English. So sorry, dude. Uh, should have looked up your name for these show notes. I'll put them in the notes. Wow. This is just, this is good. L- listen, friends. Uh, we're, we are. Ahelmans? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that kind of, it's that kind of like pan-European ethnicity that is not really, that know, really offends people. I feel, <laughs> I feel like Tintin falls in this category okay, too. That, no, that dude is French. No, he's Belgian. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, James. Wow. You're proving my point. Belgian? Belgian. Hair gay, right? I'm pretty certain Tintin's author is Belgian. Wow. Has there ever been a greater proof of how we don't <laughs> like research this ahead of time? I think that you're oh, A, boy. absolutely right, and B, absolutely right. I think that oh, both of those things are absolutely right. Do you have any show notes? Do you have any any mistakes to cop to? Of course not. Well, I will always cop to a mistake. I just never... I'm aware of them until they're pointed out to me. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Paul apologizes for all mistakes yeah, that he has made. Just uh, take it as read. I do think that your contributions to this show are like meticulously footnoted in your head, though. Uh, I think that yeah, I think that you do a little bit more like internal research before you open your mouth. Yeah, and I respect you for that. Hey, thanks. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> thanks once again to the TBA Festival and the Portland Institute for Contemporary Arts. We have mic stands. They cost me. Maybe $10 a piece. I'm getting a lot of advertising out of this long-term loan. I love that that's our running joke. Is it a running joke or is it a running... It's a running thing. It's It's a a running... Yeah. They're not a joke. (laughs) You Uh, didn't steal them. No, it's true. I asked for them. I borrowed them. My voice got really high there, too. Uh, On the other side of the scale, Bodybox. Thank you for your... Oh, yeah. It's, It's... the unit that we are using for body box, in addition to some sundries like yeah. microphones, um, is a Motu, which oh. is a digital sound interface. Motu stands for Mark of the Unicorn. It really does. They just decided to name their company that and build a piece of electronics that is like that. Anyway, it's fun. That's amazing. Uh, the Motu is great. I think it makes this podcast sound great. Thanks, Motu. Thank you. Don't die on us. Uh, <laughs> also, thanks to Gary, who did our theme music. Uh, Gary Grundy. He has not yet Yay. corrected me on the pronunciation of his name, so I'm assuming that it's correct. You can find him online. Uh, and thanks to all the friends of the podcast. 
Yeah. All of you out there. Sparkling stars. Every one of you. Twinkling <laughs> in the night. Multiplying surprisingly. Do we say multiplication? You know that multiplication involves like large numbers, right? Look, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to set up the circumstances for success, James. No, that's that's absolutely correct, and you were right to do so. <laughs> um Yeah, I not to make this too much about alcohol, but I have been drinking <laughs> a lovely gin and then also also drinking for some reason rice wine from Korea. Lovely. That we had just kind of left over in the fridge. Ooh. From a from a project. We do projects with alcohol. Yeah. That's true. We're adults. It's a I mean, that's a legit that feels like legit compensation. You, James, I believe, have paid me in scotch. So I'm totally Yeah. In yeah, in, yeah. in and on a number of instances, and I'm totally cool with that. I feel like um, you know, dollars, euros, pesos, and scotch. Those That's are great. all those are all totally acceptable forms of payment. That's great. I'm glad in addition yeah. to the creative work, we hold all of the like business conversations on the podcast as well. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about an extension of your contract and really look at those next days. Um Darned. And you, you've managed to polish off the mar maker's mark, which is notable. Yeah, sorry. No, 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 no. It's good. We're trying to get rid of stuff. So Okay. That's great. I got your back. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Somebody does. Okay. And we are going to leave this basement and leave you listeners. Thank you so much. This has been The Board Retreat, Episode 5, The Specifics. We're going topside now. <laughs> Put us on the surface. Emergency blow. <laughs> Rightful rudder. <laughs>